0: Hello, everyone. Um, welcome to an imperfect podcast. Welcome. In this podcast, we're going to be starting out, uh, we're going to be starting a brief mini series. And as we've been doing with our podcast so far, we have a central question, a crucial question uh, that's going to be guiding the way. And this time, we're going to be exploring the question of what is culture? What is culture? And to do this, we have invited a very special guest uh, to be with us in our conversation, and that is uh, the Reverend Dr. Uh, Panayotis um Proto-Presbyter. Um, Father Panayotis, welcome to the, to the podcast. Thank you, Father Michael. Thank you, Stadi. <laughs> it is uh, wonderful to hap- have you with us. Uh, as you may have uh, noticed from the similarity in last names, uh, father Panayotis also happens to be uh, Strati's uh, father, um, which is a, a wonderful coincidence. Um, and I'd like to just take a moment uh, to give you all a sense of uh, Father Panayotis's background because I think it will help in informing our uh, conversation. So Father Panayotis was born in Cyprus. He received his secondary education at the English school uh, in Nicosia, After his military service, he left for the U.S., where he studied chemical engineering in New York City. He then continued his studies on a graduate research scholarship at the University of Notre Dame, where he completed his master's degree in chemical engineering. He joined Holy Cross Greek Orthodox School of Theology in Boston in August 1984 in order to pursue theological studies, from where he graduated three years later with the degree Master of Divinity with High Distinction. Following that, he enrolled in the Early Christian Studies program of the Catholic University of America in Washington, D.C. He was awarded the Ph.D. degree in February of 95 with a specialization in the History and Theology of the Early Christian Church. The title of his dissertation was A Theological Analysis of Selected Themes in the Homilies of St. John Chrysostom on the Epistle of St. Paul to the Romans. Father Paniotis was ordained a deacon in Astoria, New York, in 1988, and a presbyter, or priest, a month later, in Orange, New Jersey. He served as a priest on a part-time basis in different Orthodox parishes in the metropo- metropolitan Washington area, while completing his doctoral dissertation. From April 1989 to December 93, he served a mission parish, which he helped establish in Fredericksburg, Virginia. He moved to Cyprus in December 93, where he served the parish of Ayyanapa, until 2001, when he returned in July to the U.S. and took up the parish of St. George in Newport Ritchie, Florida. In August of 2006, he and his family moved to Marietta, Georgia, where he is currently serving as the presiding presbyter of Holy Transfiguration Greek Orthodox Church of Marietta. He's married to Presbyteria Catherine, and they have two children, Stratis, and I... a daughter, Olympia. So... Um, Father, we're very, very excited and happy to have you um, joining our conversation uh, today for the Imperfect podcast um, to explore this question of uh, what is culture. Thank you for the
1: Michael. It's my honor to be here, and uh, let's see what we can get.
0: Absolutely. All right, so let's dive in. Um, what is culture? I think the first way to approach this, like we've been doing um, thus far, is to simply um, ask what are some of our first impressions when we hear this word culture, um, and so let's dive in culture.
2: Yeah, I think that the, the common you know I mean today you know culture is very monetized. You know it's um, it's a meme. You know that it's a, it's a Facebook post or a, rather a Twitter post, a Reddit, 4chan whatever so that's internet culture so there's sub there's subcultures within culture in the world today um and uh and so then you have the, the you know the mass media culture which is you know the music industry the cinema you know the the film industry um and all of that is supposed to be culture creating culture and it's all based around consumerism uh, materialism and you know basically making money or capitalism yeah and the culture of the modern world is so if something isn't making money it vanishes from the culture right of people and, this, and there, the our
0: attention our, it vanishes from our attention yeah it yeah. vanishes
2: from the attention of everybody or, or doesn't even if something doesn't make money it's a side thing it doesn't even show up in people's even if it's very good it doesn't show up in people's it doesn't show up in their to their attention
0: yeah, it's, it's hard to get around that connection between kind of popular culture and money um, and how, you know, um, so much of it is bound up in this um, notion of, you know, consuming, buying, having possessions, having yeah. uh, material stuff yeah. um, and what you wear, fashion, the fashion industry, yeah, that's the um, how, how, you know, that is... Kind of part of all our the fabric of our understanding of culture, um, music. Um, certainly, there's nothing wrong with um, you know paying a musician to do what they're doing. No, um, but um, you know with the kind of advertising industry and all the marketing that goes into that, um, you st- you start to kind of wonder how much of it is is being driven by this desire to make more money and to be more successful well, and, it, and it
2: also it also it's what it's what guides people so people don't really i mean we don't really think on our own a lot of times as to what you know what culture i listen to or you know or because culture define you know music defines your culture to some extent well you don't you, people are guided by the mass uh the mass money-making culture Mm-hmm. They're guided by it, and whereas in the, in the older times, it was just a local village musician who played his instrument, and that was it. That's all they had. Mm-hmm. And, and the songs that people sang were common amongst everybody. They weren't produced by some anonymous people in, right. in a faraway place and then imported to them through the radio or the radio, through YouTube, <laughs> and, 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 and which, we ha- which is what other people, basically people who are making money, guide our culture. Today, mm-hmm. yeah, and and
0: and what you're kind of comparing and contrasting is this sort of the centrality of communal right. living and the the, the community um, ge- being the kind of thing that generates yes. this culture versus the sort of disintegration of the communal mm-hmm. life, the um, <clears throat> the ways in which we kind of make things more anonymous, and there's this kind of outside force coming in to. Sort of guide things and that's also often connected with money. Yeah, and again, we don't want to overly demonize money in the sense no. that even the ancients, you know, had no, patrons even, and, and well, people even that the, were,
2: the guy in the village needed to eat right, you know, they all needed not... to
0: eat but but perhaps we can say you know this this sense of consumerism and materialism and um, you know, these things have have been driving this in, a, in an interesting way father we're we're Excited to have you um, reflect with us. I don't know if you have any thoughts right off the bat as far as this question of what are some of our first yeah. impressions, um, and then we'll also continue on with a, like a historical.
1: Yeah, uh, I, I think that you you were both right in saying what you said, and the only thing I want to point out is that uh, uh, the the biggest difference today is that all of this culture is universal. All oh, of this culture is piped out through the airwaves or through the internet or through uh, uh, whatever whatever means of communication we have. And uh, the children in Greece are singing the same songs that the children yeah. in America and the children in India are learning the same songs yeah. that Absolutely. the children in America. And there is this, this proliferation of this primarily American culture, although right. there may be a reverse uh, a Uh, flow as well where you get things from other countries into the into the americans setting but it's mostly from america to the rest of the world because here is where the money is that produces all these things and uh, they have the means yeah they have the means yeah and 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 so there is this uh, uh, universality of the culture that is created whether it's uh hollywood or whether it's uh, the musical industry the music industry or whether it's uh, uh, Cinema, yeah, the movies and things like that, that are basically being transmitted to the rest of the world and kind of making common culture at least among the youth. Mm-hmm. Maybe uh, I don't know what what ages we do. I don't know the statistics, but mm-hmm. uh, so the the un, the uver- universalization of American culture today, yes, and uh, bringing it everywhere,
0: yes. Yeah, that, that that's a very fascinating aspect um, that we're kind of creating this global village. Global village, yeah. Um, and as far as specifically as far as culture is concerned, um, that you know there's this kind of universalization that's um, occurring, where everybody's kind of dressing the same way, listening to the same music, um, and that so much of this is being driven by the wealth of yeah. America and uh, primarily Hollywood, uh, Hollywood. about Hollywood.
1: 25 years ago. There was this this uh, Effort to globalize the economy and and we have globalized the economy now. We're globalizing culture as well mm. Okay, the this push to bring everything to everywhere because It's easy to do it and it also produces money and it produces money at different levels So a lot of people are making money out of it uh, the globalization is um, uh, effective, in many ways, and so people are taking advantage of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And culture is not exempt from that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so those are some of the first impressions. You
0: know, we get the sense that culture is cheap. It's fleeting. As you were mentioning, Strati there are you know these kind of fastly changing memes oh, and. Yeah. Um, and songs that kind of go in and out really quickly. I'd say um, internet,
2: internet culture is probably the fastest. Rapidly the move. M- moving. And things just, ap- jokes in, like on the internet appear out of nowhere. Right. People are doing it for a week, and then it's gone. Right. And behind <laughs> a lot of this, we're, we're kind of
0: coming to behind a lot of this, is, is a connection with money, is a connection with yeah. um, kind of a monetization of all of this. You know, Facebook and all of these social media platforms yeah. are definitely... Um, you know, driving a lot of this culture and are driven by um, money. Um, there's that universal aspect that we talked about, Father, um, as far as um, globalizing um, culture. Um, so those are all kind of interesting first impressions. And certainly we could get into that on so many different levels, exploring statistics and things like that. But this is really just a, a, a conversation um, and getting kind of our feet wet in as far as uh, you know, what do you think of when you think of the word culture? Right. Um, and and so that that kind of starts us off. Um, I'd like for us to dive a little bit into um, the historical um, bit. And uh, before we were on air, um, we were talking a little bit about um, this this word culture um, and how it sort of. Um, been developed over time. So before we jump into the historical analysis, maybe we can just very simply state what does that word culture mean etymologically speaking. So, Father, I don't know if you want to just say a brief word about uh, yes,
1: that. Yes, it's it's it comes from the Latin word, word uh, cultus, which uh, basically means worship, hmm. and uh, for the. Um, the ancient Greeks, as well as the ancient Romans, and then the grego Romans, before Christianity appears and before Christianity uh, is becomes in, important, um, their religion and their worship was really the center of their lives. Uh, even for the philosophers, uh, the Greek philosophers, for example, philosophy is the religion of the people. Mm. Okay, and, uh, and then every city at the center of every city, there was a temple. If you go to the ancient cities in the Middle East and and everywhere where they still exist as ruins today, you will see that the center of every city there was a temple to a god, a goddess, uh, where people gathered to worship their god, who was also the protector of their city, and uh, and the cult of that particular deity was at the center of their lives. Mm. Uh, so, 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 so as. Um, as Christianity comes into the picture and um, uh, the Christian, especially 4th century Christianity, where uh, uh, it was embraced by Emperor Constantine and, and uh, subsequently the Roman Empire, the Roman Empire of that time, which was really, um, its culture had become more Hellenized, more Greek because of the introduction of Greek philosophy and, and the Greek culture of that that comes with that so so Christianity enters um, into this new phase where it's embraced by the Greco Romans and um, it becomes the uh, culture changing force for the Roman Empire mm. okay so so you move now from within 70 years you move from the time that Constantine frees the the Christians from persecution you you move from the uh, ancient temple to God, to Zeus or to Athena or to whoever uh, God of the ancient Greeks and Romans, you move to uh, the replacement of that with a new temple, a Christian temple. And of course, I say temple and not church because the the original word used in Greek is um, naos. naos and Naos means temple. Mm. And so the early Christians, they called they're what we call today the churches, they call them na na-i. Hmm. so it's
2: still doing Greek
1: and still yeah and in Greek uh, we still use the same uh, term, uh, but in English we use the word church to denote the building, and that is really not the correct translation when you go from the ancient, the ancients to the modern. so hmm. so the the, the, the the Christian naos become the Christian temple becomes the center of their life, and there is a new culture that develops. Um, I mean, if you listen to St. John Chrysostom, he calls it, he calls his new culture now, um, the new philosophy, the new lifestyle, the new understanding, the new um, philosophy of life is, is Christianity.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And Christianity uh, begins to shape the life of people, begins to inform their decisions, begins to inform the laws of the government. So, the moral aspects or or intellectual aspects of Christianity uh, or ascetic aspects of Christianity begin to be incorporated into the lives of people (laughs) and a new culture develops which is both uh, ancient Roman and ancient Greek but also Jewish and as well as Christian in its new uh, expression where christ is at the center and his resurrection is at the center and his liberating uh, um, act of uh, his sacrifice which liberates us from sin is at the center and so you have the development of what we want to call the roman christian culture uh, that moves ahead and lasts in many places until today Hmm.
0: Um, so there are so many different Things I think, from what you just said, that that would be worthy of our discussion and our exploration. attention exploration. Yeah, um, if we could just kind of rewind to the very beginning, um, where we just even simply defined uh, the word culture and um, brought it back to the Latin word cultus, um, which you know simply denotes, as Father said, this notion of worship. What I mean, I don't know how many of our listeners. We're aware of that, but um, it is kind of mind blowing. No, I, I did it now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's the. I mean, how much? How many of us, when we think of the word culture, think of worship? I don't think. I think very few, because of you know where we're at now with popular culture and the monetization of culture and things like that. So, I mean, I think you know, before we dig into all of those different components that you mentioned, Father, as far as the ancient Greco-Roman world and how Christianity transformed that. Um, yeah, I mean, what what is this connection between culture and worship? And you know, how how can we understand culture as worship? What what do we even make of that?
1: Um, well, it, it is very interesting that uh, the transformation of the Roman, the Greco-Roman society, into a Christian society, was uh, brought about by uh, the this development of culture. Um, culture as we understand it today, let's say, what you do on every day, on the everyday basis, uh, that was connected to uh, the calendar Mm. of the Christian feasts. Mm. Okay, from the very first century, uh, the Christians established the resurrection as a central feast, and then they added to that a few things over the first 300 years, and then with the explosion of Christianity in the fourth century after it was freed, and its ability to now develop its own art, its own architecture, um, to develop uh, services. And uh, it, it, monasticism comes about with the monks having plenty of time to uh, write hymns and and write uh, poems and, and, uh, and all of this to be put to music. Mm. Um, and then at the same time, you have the uh, the cult of the of the martyrs for example where we uh, we um, remember the martyrs in the special feasts that were created and and we remember the um, the ones who sacrificed their lives for for Christ and uh, we uh, put them at the center their relics are brought from the catacombs or the places of hiding into the new uh, temples that were built and they're buried in the altar to sanctify the altar and sanctify the new space for worship. All of these things are, are elements that create this new understanding and this new culture and this new way of life. And then you have the establishment of the calendar with the feasts, both of the saints as well as the feasts of Christ and the feasts of the Theotokos. It took uh, two or three centuries for this to be finalized, but by the mid-700s, um, we have entire services which we still use. We have entire uh, uh, overnight vigils and mm-hmm. and thousands and thousands of hymns uh, that celebrate the resurrection and the birth of Christ and uh, his crucifixion and and, and mm-hmm. his yeah and 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 the other and, and his transfiguration and then also uh, everything related to the Theotokos and everything related to the to the other saints as they appear through the centuries and they take their place on the calendar. So, um, for the people growing up at that time, all these hundreds of years, the thousand years of the Christian Roman Empire, that some people call it Byzantine Empire, and that's another mm-hmm. topic we need to leave for another time, but sure. um, this Christian Roman Empire uh, is uh, it contains at the same time uh, the the Roman the Roman political and Roman uh, legal system, which is transmitted uh, through the government, which is in continuity with the past and has never been broken. That continuity has never been broken, like it happened in the West after the four hundreds, the early four hundreds, mm-hmm. uh, with the fall of Rome. With the fall of Rome and, right. and the city of Rome, and, yeah. Yeah, and the and the lost territories. of the territories, uh, the, the, the loss of the territories of the West yeah. through the invasions of the barbaric mm-hmm. tribes of the Germans that were coming from the north, and and the destruction of civilization in the in the West, complete destruction of civilization. We call it the Dark Ages for about four hundred years. Mm-hmm. There's complete destruction. They lost their connection with the Greek, Greek philosophers and their connection with uh, with their civilization they had before. They remained Christians, but they were also struggling to keep the Christianity because some of these Germanic tribes were uh, yeah. either pagans or they were uh, heretics. They were they were um, Aryans, Aryans mm-hmm. and, and, other, and other groups that right. were uh, outside the boundaries of the Christian Roman Empire and they now had the ability to come back and conquer. So, hmm. so we can look at that 400 years of, of what we call the uh, the Dark Ages and what happened to the West. We can look at it at a separate time. But my my point I was trying to make today is that within the, the um, Christian Roman Empire, which became primarily Greek speaking eventually as it lost its Latin, as on the West, uh, whatever was in the West, it lost its Greek. Uh, so we have um, a, a civilization developed, which is a Christian civilization, uh, where everything reflects their faith in Christ. Everything reflects right. the feasts of the Church. Everything reflects the Christian expression of what uh, it is to be uh, living that life of Christianity. Right. And so the the cultus is is Christianity. The cultus is Christ at the center as the God-Man who has lived on earth. And died on the cross and rose from the dead and liberated us from sin and now we have a chance to become like that and be liberated from sin. So the culture reflects this effort mm. to be liberated from sin. It reflects this effort to uh, live a life that is uh, that is better than than uh, the Roman um, uh, Yeah, all the, all the things that were happening in the pre-christian Roman times, right? And and even let me let me give you just one example of how there is the transformation of culture uh, by by Christianity at this point. For the Romans, their name days were ve- I'm sorry for the birthdays. Romans their birthdays were very important. Their birthdays they celebrated their birthdays. It was a, an exchange of gifts. It was a, they were throwing big parties. The emperors were big at that, and the and the more wealthy Romans were big at that. Uh, the poorer ones, of course, didn't have the means to do much, but but the birthdays were very important, very central to their lives. As Christianity takes over and transforms culture, uh, culture into the Christian understandings, this egotistical centrality on the on the one, on the personal individual, individual uh, moves uh, to the centrality of the saints, hmm. and name days take a central place in the lives of people. Uh, and and now the people don't celebrate their their birthdays, uh, and this this went on for centuries, hmm. and even until the no, the modern times in Christian countries of the eastern uh, of Eastern Christianity, um, birthdays were abandoned. And I growing up in Cyprus when I was a child, we never celebrated my birthday. I didn't even know when my birthday was hmm. because. My name day was more important, mm. and the saying that I was named after was more central in that. And going to church to receive communion on a, that day was more more important than. Uh, and, um, in way, and in a way,
2: and in a way, the the name the the saint day is the birthday of the, the saint into heaven. Yes, right. Yes. So it, yes. Eternal it's, birthday. It's the so it's it's a it's a higher level of birthday. We're yes. no longer celebrating our birth into this world. We're celebrating our birth into. The kingdom, of, kingdom God. of God, yes, yes, so that, absolutely. That's I think. what a name day is. So, so Father,
0: in, in all that you have just said, um, I think what I hear is this um, sense of prioritizing in a very concrete way, a, a, a individual people and a whole society prioritizing um, their time and their space. Right? In other words, their time from the sense of the liturgical calendar, that they, they had this sense that the Lord's Day was the central day. Kiriaki, Lord's Day, was, was, was the first day of the week. It was the, the, the pinnacle. Um, it represented the eighth day of creation, the resurrection, yes. and everything sprang from that. Yes. And then on a, on a festal cycle that throughout the year, everything was marked by the seasons of the feasts and the fasts. Um, and that from a spatial perspective, you could say um, the church, the actual temple, was the central um, place, gathering the, place. Gathering yeah. place. Yeah. Yes. Um, so time and space are given this, are, are, are marked by the sacred as being the priority. Central. central. It's central
1: in their lives. Right. Okay. So baptisms take a major. Uh, uh, they become central in their lives as they baptize their children, for example, and that becomes a great feast. Uh, weddings become central uh, in the sense again a sacrament is performed and there is an understanding of uh, sanctification and uh, and they gather together to celebrate that. Hmm. Um, and then of course the feasts are important because, for example, Holy Week. Holy Week. Uh, even Orthodox Americans, you know, they they come if they can, and you know, and they. Take a piece from here and a piece of there, and if it uh, happens to fall on, uh, let's say, on a spring break, they take their children and go to Florida, or they go to uh, the Bahamas, or right. you know wherever, because uh, you know it's the only time they can, as a family, to do. And Holy Week is not even uh, important to them. Well,
2: they might for, get back in time for the Pascha uh, service, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they missed everything else.
1: That's correct, but 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 for the early Christians and the Christians who continue that tradition. Uh, in the transformation of society, as we see the transformation of society, uh, Holy Week becomes an immersion in the celebration of the remembrance of those things. And Holy Week is a, uh, if you look at it carefully, you realize that there is an effort in, through the services to transport us back in time and places at the events Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so there is a transcendence of time uh in that sacred space Mm -hmm. of the temple the christian temple the naos the church there is a um a transformation of time so that it can bring us back to that time and place us at the feet of the cross Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so that we can feel and understand and experience what happened uh, to put us at the, at the opening of the cave where, where the, the tomb where Christ is risen and, uh, and give us that joy that the women who discover the, the angels uh, at the entrance of the tomb receive as they find out that the Lord has risen. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and, that, and you, if you really immerse yourself in Holy Week, which is coming up for us and we need to immerse ourselves in it, you will realize that um, this was not uh, uh, the way it was set up. It was not accidental. There is a, there is an inspiration from the Holy Spirit, I believe, mm-hmm. which gives uh, an opportunity to people to be transformed through this process of immersing themselves in Holy Week. And therefore, the Christians up to this day in Christian countries, they take off from work on Holy Week and they immerse themselves in the services. Right. And the church has also accommodated them because they needed to go to work and take care of their animals or, or go take care of whatever. So they, the church moved some of the morning services to the evening mm-hmm. so that we can um, be able to attend. Mm-hmm. So there is really no excuse not to attend uh, so that you can actually benefit from it. And I can tell you from my experience that uh, people have been completely transformed uh, as they allowed themselves to immerse themselves in Holy Week yeah. and the services and experience first what happened in the sense of the betrayal of Christ, the arrest of Christ, the crucifixion of Christ, and then um, the time waiting for the resurrection. That, because Even Holy Saturday has a very special um, feeling to it as you are waiting for the event that's going to happen at midnight when you go to church and the lights go out and uh, and suddenly the light comes from the altar and fills the room, fills the space, the sacred space and and the chanting of Christ is risen from the dead just reverberate throughout and, and touch the heart. It's an amazing experience if you allow yourself uh, to get through it. And that's what the church did uh, which transformed society in those thousand years right. of the Christian Roman Empire before uh, Constantinople fell, and subsequently in those places where those um, traditions were kept yeah. and uh, experienced by people, and there are some places in the world that st- they still still have that.
0: Yeah, I wonder, Father and Strati, if um, part of the reason why someone might take off for the Bahamas during a holy during a holy week and not attend has to do with this. Um, lack of experiencing or tasting the transformative effect of when you prioritize your time and your space. In other words, when you put Christ concretely as the primary, um, as the, as the first thing in your calendar, you know, Sunday is the first day, right? And then the feast days and things like that. And when you put the church in the center of the village, as it were, um, then, you know, harkening back to what you were talking about with the feast days allowing us to transcend time, in many ways, we're, we're by by entering into this sacred time and the sacred space, we're actually able to s- transcend the prison of time and space and okay. to commune with with God who's beyond time and space. Yes. And then by doing that, it then brings that, that sacredness back into, our lives, both individually but also societally, yeah. and it it spreads it and transforms us as individuals and transforms the entire culture. So being able to, to actually taste that if I do this, I'm gonna be transformed and those people around me are gonna be transformed. And as you said, this whole thousand year stretch of the Eastern Roman Empire um, was able to see the effects, the yeah. impact that yeah. this kind of prioritizing yeah. gave on in the lives of individuals and the lives of an entire society
1: yes yes and i and I think that's basically where our society today uh, at least in the United States you know where you know we're we're so few and um and we I think our parishioners are affected more by uh, pop culture and by political culture and mm that's and, another one. And, okay. Yeah, and and by uh, the non-orthodox cultures that are around us in their language, even in their theology sometimes, and definitely in the way they worship because um, they um, you know, they would they would come to church on Sunday expecting to hear a long sermon like the Protestant church across the street does. And if they don't hear a long sermon, then they say, why aren't the Greek priests uh, giving longer sermons, you know? But they miss the entire service, which is an hour and a half, okay? Plus orthos, another hour and a half. It's three hours. They miss the entire immersion in worship. So they miss the possibility of being touched by God. Right. And they're hoping that they may be touched by the words of the preacher.
2: It's a... Different culture. Yeah, they're it's a different, to, yeah,
1: different... They're used to... Yeah.
2: yeah, the culture is liturgical for us. Well, and yes. And for many Protestants, it is not all. Yes.
0: But, but the interesting thing, is, and we'll, I think this is maybe where we'll say, we'll, we'll talk about this next, next time, is that in many ways, even people who are not liturgical as far as um, religious worship is concerned, are liturgical as far as their everyday lives are concerned, would, and, and we were talking about how, you know, the malls and the, the arenas and stadiums and things have sort of replaced the church as a place of centra, as a central place of worship. And so, while whereas someone might, you know, show up late to a liturgy and just want to catch the sermon and not seek that transformation, they would easily immerse themselves in the liturgical act of going to the mall for three hours. And I'm not saying that in any kind of um, wrong sort of judgmental or, or um, you know... Um,
2: yeah, no, nothing wrong with going to the mall sometimes. Right. But you know. it's interesting how, how,
0: how the mall has some very distinct um, similarities to our own liturgical worship um, and, you know, the kind of way that it's set up. And, you know, even in kind of a cathedral style, there are yeah. people who have studied this, you know, as far as the similarities... Um, and um, and so you know, it's not even so much a matter of whether or not we are immersing ourselves in liturgical worship. It's more of a matter of what kind of liturgical worship yes, are we? Yes, that's very good. That's very into. good. I,
1: yeah, I like that. I, because why 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 is this happening? It's because the human being needs that. Right. He needs a structured. Um, Liturgy of life where they do certain things in a certain way so they you come into the church You light a candle you take a place in the church you repeat hymns you repeat uh, prayers You go to the mall you do something similar you you go to the to the park uh, You park your car (laughs) you enter through the the gate whatever that is which is decorated like a royal gate Mm Uh, there are pictures of the things that are happening inside the saints. Yeah, the pictures yeah. of the happy people, the happy people <laughs> who are going to make you happy too, right. and and then you enter into uh, this amazing space. You go to the food court to eat. You go to so your senses have to participate in these different things, which is really a mimicking of exactly what what has happened for centuries, for thousands of years, in the worship of the human being, whether it was before. Uh, Christianity or, or the Christian culture of worship, mm-hmm. which involves the senses and, and, and the participation of the person in a special way. So, yes, but it's interesting that you're saying this because I think that uh, I, I don't think anyone will actually uh, arrive late at a game uh, in the stadium downtown no. Uh, but people will arrive late at the church. right. Uh, and, and by so doing, they're missing. They're gonna miss those, uh, those special moments when uh, when the game is at its heights and, and, and there is something for them to experience right. if they were to go late to the game. And when they come late to the church, they miss those high points when God can touch them and transform them. And I think people don't realize how much they're missing by just delaying their arrival. Yeah, delaying their arrival for no reason, really, because, you know, I mean, they just, they get up 15 minutes later, they, right. they take a little longer to get dressed, they take a little longer to, to, you know, drive, and they're not in a rush to get there at the beginning of the liturgy, and therefore they arrive much later, and they miss the reading, uh, they miss the great entrance, of the of the holy gifts and they miss the experience of that liturgical experience where all their senses will have participated and then they will have allowed God to touch them and transform them and heal them from whatever things are happening to them and 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 restore them to a healthy human existence that can actually help them uh, for the next week for the difficulties of of the week coming up
0: so on an individual believer's level, that experience of culture, quote-unquote, in other words, worship, um, is what can truly transform their lives and then ultimately the lives and the environment around them. Um, and I think that's perhaps where we can conclude this yeah, I series.
2: Wanna, I want to just uh, say that, um, and I think I think for the next one, You know, we should, we can get into the more specifics possibly of the specifics of what the church did, uh, like how they changed the music culture, for instance, how they changed dance culture, for instance, how they changed architecture, art, paintings. We can can go into all those details. We could go on forever, really. Right. Go one step deeper. Yeah, Yeah. one step deeper. And I think that's what we should do next time. Yes. Uh, You know and talk about how and how how the culture that was born within the Roman empire was a a culture that was surrounded or or, or had as its center the kingdom of god and stopped worshipping the world
1: right and the creation and yeah, the creation and the creation, yeah.
2: and, the creation. Yeah. and and that how that affects art music and everything so yes. i think massive ripple effect right and yes. which lasts Till today, we're still doing.
1: Yeah, and and if you want to get into the, some of the theological things, you can talk about uh, the role of uh, uh, of the material world, the transformation of the material world by the incarnation of Christ, by the fact that God became man and walked on earth. Right, the
2: philosophy behind the, the f- yeah, theological philosophy, how, if you may. Yes,
1: yeah, how that changes right the mentality the mentality of people, and also moves us from the ancient Greek philosophy, right. humanistic, uh, to, which is more humanistic to a a new philosophy of life which right, where which, God is at the center and everything that people do consider God first. And mm. an expression I remember as a child hearing all the time is uh Theuthelondos, Teuthelondos, theuth mm. God willing, God willing. Uh, whatever God wants, you know, it's it's like surrendering to the will of God is theos, first. Yeah, putting God first, which reflects the centrality of uh, faith and and the centrality of the worship of God. Uh, which is also reflected in the fact that the, the the worship center, the worship space is at the center of the village mm. and um, and people gather from all directions to that point and come together uh, to meet each other and to exchange the keys of peace and to uh, uh, experience the presence of God and, and to learn and, and to also uh, worship God uh, and do all those things. So it, it's quite interesting how a lot yeah how life (laughs) can change when you change your perspective from Mm -hmm. i want to have more material things to uh may god be at the center and Mm -hmm. whatever the will of god uh, be Hmm. let it be
2: and you know we've only been for about 43 minutes and yet we haven't even scratched the surface of the entire topic but it's still a good time i think to wrap it up so all of that and more. <laughs> oh, a lot more <laughs> on our next episode. And I think we're excited. We are. I think we just got excited, and <laughs> we're and, and we're we're we're, we're uh, enticing ourselves. I don't know if you guys listening care, but we're, we really want to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Well, it, I mean, it's exciting to discover yeah. uh, what um, what Christians did in the early centuries. Yeah. Uh, and yes, and how can that help us today when we live in a world which is uh, moving away from the Christian uh, lifestyle and the Christian understanding of the world? Right. So if you want to be a Christian, uh, you need to go back to the early Christian times and yeah. look at those Christians and say, uh, how did they do it?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So what happened to them? Uh, how did they retain their faith? How did the church actually retain itself for for a thousand years before the fall of Constantinople? That's, that's and uh, and and how did they manage to do such a thing to me to be one church and to remain intact and not to fall into pieces and mm. be destroyed? And mm-hmm. it was no easy task. And it was no easy task, absolutely. Yeah, was, yeah. uh, because there were heresies and there were ideas. Ideas are always ideas float, like, floating around, and yeah, people right. want to push their own idea. Like today, <laughs> yeah. So just like to, yeah, just like today nothing's but, really yeah. So how did they do it? I think it's it's really, and the culture, the development of culture is very essential. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, and we can talk about some of the things that are happening today in our world, and uh, and if you go back to countries that are have been Orthodox for the last two thousand years, and and the people are still immersed in that mm-hmm. uh, way of thinking, when you confront them with a new idea that somebody else is doing in the United States today, they say, "What on earth are mm-hmm, you doing?" Mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. we that that is not good for you right you know yeah. and they know in their gut that that is not good for you right. they cannot explain it theologically right but they something doesn't uh yeah sit well yeah it, it's not right why isn't it right well they can't explain it mm-hmm. all the time but no. they can but, tell you well we haven't done it that way ever because this works <laughs> okay yeah. Yeah. and why change something that works right so that's part of that cultural development, if you want to call it that, mm-hmm. that uh, uh, safeguards...
2: Consciousness. A mm-hmm. Consciousness, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: That safeguards the faith, safeguards the, the truths of the faith, mm-hmm. and safeguards the practices that bring you to the truth of the faith and enable you to meet God and converse with Him and be in His presence. Mm-hmm. So, so all that and all much, that much and more. Much more to come.
2: <laughs> Thank yeah. you for listening.
1: Thank you for listening and thank you uh, for having me on the program. Thank you, Father, for being with us.